Blog Talk Radio.
Hello, hello. Let's try this again. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? I can hear you. I dialed you from a different. Finally, <laughs> you gotta love technical difficulties. I tell you. Uh, so how you doing? I am doing so well, Dave. I am so glad to have you on. Um, I mean, seriously, it's an honor. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Now. This, this is something I've, I've wondered. I mean, I, I've, I did my research and, and checked out, you know, what you've done in your career uh, so far. And, and the thing I've always been curious um, in regards to you is that, first off, you're very well educated. And that is something right. that often is, is kind of stereotyped, I would say, um, for people who got out of the adult industry. So how has that been? like you to you know for people to take you seriously to kind of separate in a way i mean even though it is a part of who you are and and you've always acknowledged that but how do you get yourself into that state of mind and how to 
um, reflect to others, you know, that you're beyond just what, you know, you consider to be a part of your past? Yeah, well, first of all, it's like a welcome part of my past. Um, and, and, you know, what it is is I've never really cared, one, what people thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just got to do my own thing. And it's kind of like whoever wants to work with me, great. Whoever doesn't, great. I mean, if I'm an architect and somebody doesn't want me to, you know, design their house because they don't like the fact that I was in porn, to me that's no different from somebody saying, well, you're an architect and I don't want you to design my house because I'm a vegetarian and you eat meat. You know, maybe it just goes against whatever their own personal morality is. But I really haven't had that many problems. I mean, like, at all. And and just because people are sort of ignorant about the about the adult film industry and how it works and the people that are in it, that isn't really my problem. That's more their problem. So by analogy, think about um, yourself as a radio host, right? And and someone says to you, you know, uh, society has this perception that radio hosts are, you know, X, Y, and Z. Let's just use the same analogy and say, right. you know, they're uneducated and they're coming from broken homes and all these things. And you're like, uh, I'm educated. I didn't come from a broken home, but I just like doing radio. What's wrong with you people? And why do you believe this to be the case? And then you have a discussion about it and go, you know, where do these stereotypes come from? Are they valid or are they not valid? Um, in, in the term, in, you know, with regards to pornography, I mean, you know, Ron Jeremy has a master's degree, Nina Hartley went to Harvard, Tasha Rain just graduated from UCLA. I mean, there's obviously right. Bill Knox at Duke. I mean, there's plenty of people. It's like any other business. I mean, if you work in the, to say the porn industry, is like saying the food industry and clearly, you know, the person who's serving you chicken nuggets at McDonald's uh, is probably less educated than the CEO of McDonald's, even though they both work in the food industry more generally, right? So, yeah, I mean, if you, most girls who come to porn are young. They're 18 to 21. I mean, they don't have the opportunity to have an education, even if they were the most brilliant people in the world, because most people don't graduate from college until they're 22. You know, so just by the nature of the beast of what draws people in um, to the adult film industry, um, by definition, they're not, you know, just by, 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 uh, you know, the chronological age, they're not going to be able to have a master's degree or professional degree because most regular people don't get that till they're 25, 26. So I don't know. It's, it's, it really hasn't bothered me. I, I love it. I love having the conversation. I love going on shows like this and, and talking about it, um, you know, and, and helping sort of change social norms. Right. Cause that, cause I had the chance, like, I think what got me kind of interested in, in, in the subject was I, I watched the documentary. It was called the history of X. And there was a segment, this was something I, I really, I felt, I was like, okay, he would be the best person to ask this question is they got into this uh, topic about um, interracial porn. And they were talking to, I forgot who they were talking to, but um, they kept saying it was like a niche market. It was a niche market and that there were some performers um, who were white um, that never wanted to do those type of scenes. And then they did talk to somebody who um, was African-American and he talked about his experiences. And it's been to me just from the research that I've done. It's kind of been this secondary thing. Um, so from your experience, maybe to get your opinion on this, like, why do you feel it's like, why can't just porn be porn? And then there's porn with different niches, of course. But it just seems to me like interracial kind of gets this black kind of mask over itself. Yeah, I mean, well, there's different, you know, obviously genres of porn. I mean, there's the interracial right. genre. There's what they call the MILF genre, which is, you know, women over 30. There's a teen genre, which is 18, 19. 
there's the granny, the gilf, the granny, the mature genre of like 50 plus. Um, I wouldn't really call it, you know, a black flag. I mean, usually what happens is girls come in to the business and they start off, uh, you know, saying, I only want to do solo stuff. They don't do girls. They don't do guys. And they just shoot for the for the playboys and, you know, with the, the other people that do the, uh, the solo girl modeling. And then they go, okay, I'm going to do some toys. Now they're using toys in addition to being naked. And then they run it. They you know, shoot for all the producers that are, and keep in mind, here's a girl that's working at, you know, McDonald's and she's making $8 an hour. And now she just, you know, posed naked and got 200 bucks. So she's like, this is cool. I'm going to keep doing this. But she knows she's not comfortable doing guys. She knows she's not comfortable doing girls. So she keeps working for the solo producers as the work comes. Eventually, the work dries up. And they say, well, they've shot this girl already. They don't want to keep shooting the same girl. And porn is all about the novelty of the new girl. So she runs out of work. So she can go. Now she's used to making, you know, 100 or $200 a day for just a couple hours of work where she was, you know, working at McDonald's and making $60 after eight hours, and then they took $20 in taxes, you know. Um, so she's like, I don't want to go back to McDonald's. What else can I do? And then the, then the agent will say, well, I mean, I guess you could do something with another girl. You could suck on her boobs, you know, whatever. Oh, okay, and, and it pays more. <laughs> so you were getting, you know, 200 now you're going to get three. You know, and then it's like, oh, now you can do girls with a toy. And then, you know, they run out of the producers for that. Then it's, okay, well, you can do boys. We don't have to have sex with them. It can just be oral. You know, and then from there, it's okay, well, now you actually have to have sex with them. And it's okay, now you have to have sex with two guys. You know, now it's two guys and another girl. And, you know, and they kind of move up the ladder in terms of producers that they haven't shot for. So it's not so much that interracial or mill or granny or anything else is, is really taboo as much as it is that a performer comes in and has a certain uh, boundaries in terms of what they're willing to do, whether that's uh, interracial, whether that's anal, whether that's age gap, you know, like higher higher ages or whatever. And the producers are always that shoot those niches are always looking for uh, you know willing talent that are attractive. And if a girl comes into the business and starts off saying she doesn't do guys, anal, girls, or interracial, if she's in the business five years later, she more she more, she more than likely does girls, guys, you know, and all the things she said she wasn't going to do, not because she was forced or coerced into doing it, but just because she ran out of working for everybody else and said, well, I like the lifestyle, I like the money, I can make more money by doing this other niche I haven't shot for. Because her price will usually build as she gets more name recognition and she hasn't done a certain type of act. Um, and it just makes it harder and harder and harder to go back to conventional employment, especially if you don't have any education behind you. Um, you know, if you're a medical doctor and you decide to leave porn, you can go back and make $150,000, $200,000 a year. But if you're, you know, just graduated from high school and you're leaving a job that's paying, say, you know, $1,000 a day now because you're doing boy-girl anal, then all of a sudden it's hard to go back to $8 an hour, you know. So. Right. That's that's why I've always kind of wondered, like, in regards to you answer my question, in regards to the next thing I had was pricing. Because I was like, OK, how do you, you know, determine? Because I, I mean, for women versus men, because I feel like men don't I mean, unless they're going the I would say maybe the gay route, I don't see guys making as much as the women do. Or am I incorrect on that? Guys make about half of what the girl makes So in any production. For a straight boy-girl scene, so, like in other words, when I used to shoot boy-girl stuff for my own uh, company and I would hire other talent, I would pay the guys three hundred. I pay the girls six hundred. So the guys would get half of what the girls made. Um, you know, when you go to a bigger studio, like say Bang Bros, you know they would pay the guys sometimes you know four hundred to pay the girls eight hundred. You go to like a feature company like Vivid, they pay the guys five or six hundred. The girls would get a thousand to twelve hundred. So on average, the general rule of thumb is the guys make about half of what the girls make. <clears throat> and, you know, to me, I'm okay with that because it's much more difficult for women emotionally to do porn. 
I mean, it kind of comes naturally mm. to guys. Guys want to go out and have sex with all these girls. Girls typically don't really have that unless they're basically getting paid for it, which they are in the adult film business. So to most women, it's a job. I mean, it's not so much who's the guy they're working with. It's more about how much am I getting paid? How long do I have to be there? It's very... Women, female performers approach porn much in the same way that you would approach a job if you were on any kind of, uh, you know, let's say you were a painter and you were painting a house. You know, you don't care if it's an old house or a young house or a black house or a green house. You're just like, how big is the house? You know, how much am I getting paid? <laughs> That's all it is. You know what I mean? And, and for guys, it's it's oh good. You know, getting sexual access to attractive women is half of the compensation in itself. You know, I think the only reason they pay guys is just because they need them to be available. I mean. If you don't pay the guys, they have to go work somewhere. So now they're working at the bank, and you call them up for a shoot, and they can't do it because they're at work. So the producer's like, "Well, crap! You know, I gotta get the scene shot. I need reliable <laughs> guys." And you know, most guys, most guys can't perform. You know, you, you, you know, they think they can in their private life, but the minute you put them in a room with a bunch of lights and the people around, you know, you need specific shots. You know, 99% of guys can't do it. So you're in a situation where when you find guys, you want them to be available, and when you find that's where you see the same guys in porn all the time because Producers know they're tried, they're tight, or tried and tested. You don't want to spend, you know, thousand dollars on the location, thousand dollars on the girl, pay an agent fee, you know, food, videographers, photographers, makeup, you know, hair, all these people, and all of a sudden the guy can't right. get an erection. It's like the whole scene is shot. So, as a producer, I'd much rather pay a guy three hundred dollars or four hundred dollars that I know is going to perform than have my buddy who lives next door that says he'll do it do it for free. And then his doing it for free costs me so much more money because I still have to pay out everybody else that showed up to the shoot, you know? Right. So, I mean, you, you know, you went through that experience. So what compelled you in a way to say, okay, I'm done. And, and I mean, I think one thing that was, was really sad too. And I, when I was watching this particular documentary too, is that uh, there were people who financially, uh, once they got out, it was not stable for them. So how have you been able to maintain financial stability? Because this is, you know, the money comes really fast and it goes, just like how the girls come in and they get spit out in a way once they've kind of been recognized enough. I mean, there are very few girls, I would say, that have a longevity of a career. And, you know, just like what you mentioned earlier, it's due to their flexible um and they're able to kind of uh, find ways to modernize themselves outside of the industry. Right. Well, first of all, it's not just porn. It's just a sports entertainment. It's basically all of entertainment. Billy Corbin is a, is a mainstream producer. He did Cocaine Cowboys, The U, a lot of these famous documentaries. He did a documentary. I forget what it's called, but it talks about these, these people who leave the NBA or the NFL, and they're broke, basically. It might even be called broke. Right. Um, and, and it follows them around. They were making millions of dollars. Now they're broke, and they're homeless. So, you know, like, like, and he, he uh, documents these people. Um, well, for me, it was a very different game. I mean, you know, most most girls who come into porn, they just need the money and they need it now. You know, they're young, they got kicked out of their house, uh, they got pregnant, you know, and they wanted some means to uh, to make income to support the baby where they couldn't comparatively make it in the free market system and say like at Starbucks. Um, for me, I mean, I had a master's degree in business before I got into the into the uh, adult industry. I was working at a bank as an analyst, and I was making good money, and it just kind of started as a hobby. And uh, then I just got more and more work. And I'm like, well, I'd much rather get paid to have sex with attractive girls and travel around the world and sit in a cube at a bank <laughs> and, you know, build loan portfolios. So I quit. And uh, But I've always understood finance. I mean, I've always lived below my means. I mean, 
you know, I have plenty of money and I drive a Honda and I have a condo and I rent out the other room of my condo, you know, to this girl just why not? I mean, you know what I mean? Like meanwhile my friends are buying you know, Lamborghinis and big houses on the ocean and then they have to foreclose on them and get the cars repossessed because, you know, the house or the, the market goes negative. In terms of why it left, I mean there wasn't any reason other than it was purely a business transaction. I mean, imagine yourself as a guy who's selling VHS videotapes and you see the DVDs are coming out, and you say, why'd you get out of the VHS business? It's like, well, there's no more money in it, right? Like in porn, people used to have to buy videos, or when, before the tube and torrent sites, they had, to, they had website subscriptions. You know, we had a website with 12,000 members that we were billing $30 a month to, you know, so we were doing really well. Um, and then we saw those membership numbers just start going down. And I was like, all right, the writing's on the wall. Why would somebody go join our site when they can just go to YouPorn or Pornhub and get content for free or just get a, go to right. like a torrent site, you know, get a BitTorrent and just download the movies. It doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, people would pirate our content. You know, user would join the site, pay the $30, download the content, then upload it to a tube site. We'd have to send a cease and desist letter. That would take like two weeks by the time we got there and they did something. And then some other user put it back up. And in, the, in that time that it took for the actual cease and desist to go through, it got downloaded like 3 million times. So it was just, it's just, it's, it's pointless. You're just throwing money out, out, you know, chasing, throwing out good money to chase bad, whatever they say. It just didn't make sense. I'm like, all right, you know, it's, there's no more, it's a commodity. There's no, nobody cares. Back in the day, people cared. It was taboo sex. It was like, oh, you can charge a premium. Now you can't really do that anymore. Nobody, nobody cares, you know? Yeah. And the other that's reason, how I kind too, of the wondered way, that too. Yeah, there's another reason, too, that I got out other than the money is I noticed uh, I have nothing at all against gay people, bisexual, whatever, but I know a lot about public health. And if you look at distribution of HIV prevalence and sort of what I would call the lethal STDs, they're much higher in what they call NSM populations, men who have sex with men. And I noticed that there was this increasing sort of acceptance of bisexuality and crossing between the gay and straight world. You have these gay performers that were doing gay movies all day long, and then they come shoot a straight movie. Because maybe a producer said, I'm going to, he's going to shoot gay and straight content. And that just kind of concerned me because in porn, nobody's really using condoms. I mean, they're testing every 60 days. Now it's 15 days. But still, I mean, if, you, if you're a, a promiscuous gay man, you know, um, you're in, if you're an African-American intravenous drug using promiscuous gay man, which would be like the highest risk group for HIV, you know, they, they, like you said, there are a lot of interracial performers. There are a lot of... Um, drug use in porn and they're in clearly when now not that they're bringing guys over from the gay side to shoot on the straight side i really didn't want to be in that same population of fluids if you will i said you know what it's probably this is just the writing is on the wall you know from my perspective <laughs> in the public health it, it was too risky financially it didn't make sense so then i kind of moved away from it and started doing what i would call mainstream projects about sexuality so i have the book obscene thoughts which talks about the um the uh, evolutionary psychology of human mating, the, the differences of men and women and gender strategies uh, for mating. Um, and then the documentary, Risky Business, a look inside of America's adult film industry, uh, which is really a political and public health documentary about, you know, uh, the hot topics in porn, condom use, no condom use, job discrimination after people get out of porn, how people come into porn, you know, the, the life cycle of a performer. The documentary won, to, won a bunch of awards, and the book won an award, won a couple of awards. It was a bestseller on Amazon, uh, twice actually. And uh, you can go to obscenethoughts.com to check out the book, and you can go to riskybusinessthemovie.com to check out the uh, documentary. Yeah, I, I've always wondered that, like psychology. It's like I remember uh, I was watching 
Well, I was listening to a episode that you did with Dating Skills Review, which is also a great show. Um, and I've yeah. I've really enjoyed. Yeah, I really enjoyed listening to the interview you did because you you were mentioned something that was really interesting to me about how you know you felt about um, relationships, and it was something. Um, here I'm I'm paraphrasing that. Um, you mentioned that you know you would rather be in these sh smaller, short-term relationships, you know, than be with one particular woman. And in the back of your mind, you may want to be with someone else. So I'm just kind of curious about like your upbringing and what brought you to that conclusion. Because everybody has a purpose, you know, within the different types of relationships that people have with each other. Right. And it's so funny, too, because, you know, a lot of people ask that you're in porn. You know, what was your background? I had the most vanilla boring upbringing. My parents were married their whole lives, you know, like 30 years, whatever, whatever is forever to be married. My dad, eventually, he was like 80 and he dies. And my mom's a widow, but she's old, you know. I, you know, had private school education, mm -hmm. college paid for. You know, I've never been arrested. I've never done a drug in my life. I didn't even drink alcohol until I was like 25, you know. So I, I just had this very normal upbringing, but I've always, you know, my parents really instilled education and critical thinking skills um, and always questioning things. And that sort of match, that intellectual curiosity has always um, driven me to sort of ask questions and challenge a lot of prevailing social norms. And that's part, I think it's part of the reason I'm an atheist. You know, it's difficult for me to accept religion when you start really questioning the premise and you start throwing um, things back and forth about how likely something can be, you know, let's, we can get into that later. But, um, and the same thing with, with, with sex, like people will say, oh, you know, sex and drugs and tobacco. And I'm like, well, wait a second. There's plenty of data that shows that tobacco is bad for you. You know, there's plenty of data that shows that alcohol is bad for you. If you drink and drive, it hurts your liver. People do domestic violence is correlated. Now I'm not talking about a glass of red wine. I'm talking about, you know, regular use of alcohol. Um, nobody's ever died from an overdose of pornography. You know, most of the academic research out there on pornography is positive. I mean, there's studies that many studies now that show that the availability of porn on the internet has actually showed led to decreased sexual violence and rape and aggression towards women, provided that the content is normal. Once you start getting into aggressive content where they're really degrading the girl and, you know, they're, they're depicting acts of coercion and stuff, then that's not healthy. But then again, you have mainstream acts that are like that. You, you, well, you watch Law and Order and the guy got murdered, shot in the head and stabbed five times, and that's okay. You know what I mean? But God forbid somebody has a blowjob on TV at the end of the world, you know? So um, I started questioning that. I'm like, why is it okay for, you know, little Johnny that's in high school to go watch Terminator 3 where Arnold Schwarzenegger is literally murdering thousands of people and beheading them and doing these gruesome illegal acts, yet they can't watch a porn video, which depicts normal, you know, you know, sexual behavior where nobody's getting murdered, nobody's dying, people are consenting, um, and it's something that the kid's probably doing anyway since the mean age of first sex is 16. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it just didn't make any sense. So I'm like, why don't right. we start having these, these conversations um, about that? So, so yeah, no, my upbringing was very – and it's so funny because it wasn't until I actually got in the porn that I realized how many messed up people there were. Because that was the kind of sheltered. <laughs> you know, private school, you know, Michigan State, Arizona State MBA, then, like, you know, working at Wachovia, General Electric. Like, I've always been, like, any sort of upper – echelons, if you will, of society. And then when I got the point, I'm like, wow, some people are really messed up. And just kind of interacting with just people, you know, neighbors once I moved out of the house. And I'm just like, wow, like, I'm the guy who's in porn that has like the 
a flawless background. Meanwhile, these other people have really fucked up backgrounds and they're not in porn, you know? Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, uh, what bothered me was I saw so much pain in relationships. I see so many people, you know, women especially crying and why did they lie to me? And I just started looking at patterns. I mean, I was with a girl for six years straight through college and beyond college and she was great. And I would theoretically marry her, you know, and I was just like, I didn't want to marry her because I was like, well, I want to have sex with the girls. I, there was just part of me that wanted to have sex with the girls. I thought it was just me. I thought it was a date thing. I didn't realize it was a guy thing. And then when I went to grad school, I'm like, all right, this is my opportunity now to just hook up with everybody. So I started hooking up with all these girls. And I'm like, they all want relationships too. I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, they're all like my other girlfriend. I'm like, and I just started seeing these patterns. Then I got a book on personal on personality disorders. I'm like, maybe I have like bipolar or borderline. Like, and I start reading through all these psychology books, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'm borderline. So then I go to the I go to the uh, the college shrink, and I'm like, I think I'm borderline. Like, you're not borderline. Like, I know a borderline person when they walk in the room. I'm like, well, then why is it that I go to these like swingers clubs that I've discovered, and I'm just hooking up with all these girls? And and the psychologist was just like, listen, she's like. That's because you realize that that you can do this. As most other graduate students at the time realized that these clubs were available, they would have went as well. Um, you know, and, and that I'm comfortable. You know, I, I wouldn't like miss. It never interfered with my life. I wouldn't like miss class to go get laid. You know, I wouldn't like you know be at home you know masturbating the porn and then miss the exam. You know, like nothing like that ever happened. I was just a guy who enjoyed having sex with girls, who liked watching porn. It was just a part of my life. else that I would do. I'm not going to, if I'm taking a walk and I have to go to class and I, I walk home and I go to class, right? If I'm eating dinner and I have to go to class and I ask for the check and I pay the bill and I go to class. And if I'm having sex or I'm about to have sex or I'm, you know, watching porn and I have class, I turn off the TV and I go to class. So I, it's just interesting that society always tries to put, put the sexual behavior in this special category where it really doesn't need to be, you know, and I'll tell you, I'm happier than most people I know, you know, like, and it's bizarre because, like, every, I, I do everything that's not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? And people who do exactly what you're supposed to do, you know, get married, have kids, you know, they seem miserable. You know, and a lot of them are. They'll tell me they are, you know, and it's, it just seems sad. Yeah, because I think to me, and, and that's the thing I've always wondered about you as well, is I'm like, how do you not think about, like, STIs? Like, how do you not think, especially, um, you know, I'm not familiar with the with the swinging um, uh, the swinger community, but that's been something that, you know, I've always wondered, like, how do people like detach from that? Like, they do they ever, you know, think about contracting something or is there like what are the rules and regulations to this type of of lifestyle? Sure, sure. Well, there's a couple. First of all. The first thing to understand is what the risk group is, okay? So I can say to you, wow, you know, like, I can't believe you left your house today. Didn't you see all the people getting killed in car accidents today? That could have been you. You actually got in a car and went on the road. Are you freaking crazy? All the drunk drivers and people running red lights. I'm sure you saw an accident today. That could have been you. You know, it, it's just kind of like media, you know, when a, when a plane crashes, there's media all over it, and then people are afraid to fly, even though statistically your chances of dying in an airplane are so, so low, right? So the thing is, is, you know, most of this, remember, we live in an American culture, which is very conservative, like 
religiously conservative that basically kind of demonizes sex in a way that it shouldn't be, and they try to scare everybody away with all this STD stuff. Now, what's important to understand is there's all these different types of STDs, right? So in the same way that a headache is different from cancer, so is, you know, chlamydia from HIV, right? So when you think about things like, so the common STDs are like chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis. These are all bacterial infections that are curable with, a, with an antibiotic. Um, then you have like viral type, I mean, there's also, you know, bacterial vaginosis, and um, you can take NFTL for that. If you have a yeast infection, you can take, uh, I think it's flagel to get rid of that, uh, mostly for women, obviously. Um, then you have viral stuff like herpes, uh, hepatitis, uh, HPV, and HIV. Now, HPV, there's no test for it in men at all. The only way that a woman knows if she has HPV is to get, a, is to get her uh, pap, her annual pap, and they can see if she has it. And if she has unprotected sex with a guy, he could tra- she could transfer it to him. He could become a carrier and possibly give it to another girl. Now, the nice thing is they have the Gardasil vaccine, which they're, which they're recommending. The CDC recommends that middle school girls have prior to having sex. Um, and that prevents against most strains, of at least the cancer-causing strains or strains of uh, HPV. There's no adverse health consequence for men. And the adverse health consequence for women is cervical cancer. So typically for the younger crowd, get your HPV. I got the Gardasil vaccine off-label as a guy just so I could try to minimize my risk of being a carrier through a clinical trial they were doing in Tampa. Um, so HPV really isn't an issue, especially for men. Then you have herpes. And herpes, there's actually some research that shows that herpes, if you have it, can actually reduce your risk of skin cancer. But aside from that, one out of uh, four girls and one out of five guys, just in general population, has herpes. Herpes doesn't lead to any kind of increased cancers at all. There's no adverse health consequence. The only problem is if you're a woman and you have herpes and you're delivering a baby, then they have to do it by cesarean section so that if you're having an outbreak and you deliver, that you don't transfer it to the baby. But so many births are done by cesarean section anyways. And herpes is like having a green toe, right? Like you're gardening and all of a sudden one day your toe turns green and it stays green for like a week and then it goes back to regular. And people say, oh, you got toe herpes. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. Like, it wouldn't bother me at all. Like, like nothing, no STD scares me except for HIV. And when you get to hepatitis, there's a vaccine for hep A and B. I have both. And hep C isn't even considered sexually transmitted. That's more like um, bloodborne stuff, you know, intravenous drug users, really crazy sex acts, but nothing that you, if you have vanilla boy-girl sex like I do, no problem with the hepatitis C. Um, and then HIV is really uh, risk group based. I mean, people don't like to say that, but when you look at the distribution of HIV, it is invariably in gay male population, the men who have sex with men population. It's also highly prevalent in intravenous drug users where they're sharing needles, and it's higher in the African American population. Not to say that it's an African American thing. I'm just saying when you when you segment, there is statistical significance and race uh, variability in the means between the two groups. So. I'm not, you know, I, I, I like black girls. I have sex with black girls if they're, if they're attractive. But I, most of the girls I have sex with are, are non-African-American girls. Uh, most of, I, I don't, to my knowledge, I don't have sex with any intravenous drug users. I mean, I usually, I usually look at their arms just by habit. And I'm not bisexual whatsoever. Um, so I avoid, like, I've even had couples in the swinger world with a husband's bi, and he's like, oh, just have sex with my wife, and I'll just watch. I'm thinking, no, because... <laughs> you have sex with her, you know, either just because you're not involved doesn't mean that I'm not at a, at a, uh, at a higher risk. So, you know, and then I use condoms on top of that, especially when I'm swinging and stuff. So, um, sure, there's a risk, 
you know, but there's risk and reward. I mean, I, what's the alternative? I sit home all day and I have sex with one person for the rest of my life. Like, that just seems so boring. And it's, and it's the same thing to you with the car analogy. So if you don't want to risk dying in a car accident, stay home. Don't leave your house. You won't get skinny. You won't get any harmful UV. Or you can just stay home and have, you know, some delivery service bring you food from the grocery store. You never leave your house, get a treadmill, and enjoy life. I mean, if, if that's my life, I'd rather die tomorrow. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I'll take the risk that I might get murdered or carjacked or shot in a drive-by, and I'll try to minimize that risk by living in Boca Raton as opposed to living in a bad part of Miami, even though it could still happen here, right? And, that, and that's what I mean about controlling risk by, like, condom use or the, the population with which you're having sex um, and really understanding what these different diseases are and how they migrate. Now, think about a, something like pink eye. Pink eye is a bacterial infection, but nobody cares and goes, Oh my God, I can't believe you touch, you rubbed your eye. You might get pink eye. I mean, that's no different from saying you had sex with this girl, you might get chlamydia. Like people just make a big deal out of it because it's, 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 uh, you know, located at a sexual entrance as opposed to an eye, which is, which isn't a sexual entrance, but you know, bacterial infection in the eye or a bacterial infection in the penis is chlamydia versus pink eye. But why, who cares about one versus the other? Medically, they're pretty much the same. You are a brave man. I, I will have to to definitely have you um, back on. And my, my final question for you is, and, and I know you will give a very, <laughs> a very interesting answer on this, is what advice would you give, you know, considering, you know, your experience and, and what you, you know, have been through um, for people who, you know, want to, you know, be in the business and then maybe, get out and and do something else because I, I mean the thing that i really like about you is that you know you took your education and you use that as a focal point to talk about an issue that's something that you're very passionate about and you want to you know and you have broken out a lot of social norms um in regards mm -hmm. to that so so what advice would you give you know to people who say that you know hey i want to do something like this but i want to be smart and and be able to at least have some type of work outside of the business right well first of all well there's a couple of things i mean the first thing is is you should never do anything that you don't want to do so if you if you do something like like i don't want to do gay porn right so if somebody says hey do gay porn i don't want to do it and then i reluctantly do it all shamefully then of course naturally i'm gonna be like oh my god like why did i do that and feel bad i want to hide it but if they said you know for me with straight porn i'm like I love it. It was great. Like, why wouldn't I do it? And I, and I, I like to have that discussion. So for the first piece of advice is don't do anything that you wouldn't want to do in life, period, <laughs> altogether. If you want to be a radio host, don't be a radio host. If you want to be a radio host, be a radio host. And then you have reasons for being a radio host. So just think about what those reasons are. Why did you choose to become a radio host? And then when people start giving you crap about being a radio host, so let's say I'm your parents and I'm like, hey, why are you a radio host? You should be a lawyer. And you can say, a lawyer sits in an office all day and most of them are miserable. Radio hosts are happy and talk to cool people all day. And I'd rather be happy. You know, like whatever your, whatever your reason was for not being a lawyer. And then you just, you have to have confidence in what you do, you know, and trust your gut. And, and in the end, it doesn't matter because there's always someone that's going to work with you. I mean, listen, I, I'm a guy who likes animals. Okay. I'm not a big fan of people who hurt animals or like hunters and all this kind of stuff. Right. But here's the thing. I mean, if I have a business and I need to hire somebody else, sure, I'll probably hire somebody other than the hunter, but the hunter shouldn't give a crap that I don't want to hire him. You know, he shouldn't want to work for me. It goes both ways. And the thing is that that hunter is good enough and I can't find somebody comparable, 
then I'll hire the hunter. And even if I don't, there's somebody who doesn't care about hunting in the same way that I do. So even though, even though like, you know, a city corp, and I'm just throwing it out there. I have no idea how city corp would respond, but like, let's say, let's say a city corp doesn't want to hire me. There's another bank that will, you know, um, there's always somebody that will hire you. I mean, we're moving away from these big sort of huge companies that, you know, hire people and you stay there for life to more and more entrepreneurship and getting into the business in itself is sort of entrepreneurship. I mean, you're basically your own business, you know, when you're a performer and when you leave, you can do other things. You could be a real estate agent, you could go be a mortgage broker, you can you know, whatever it is that you want to do, go be a dentist. I mean, dental school is not going to take your money because you were in porn. So you go become a dentist or a lawyer or whatever it is that you do. And certain clients are going to care. I mean, like, even if I had never joined the porn business, if I, if my lawyer did porn, I don't care as long as they're a good lawyer and they win their cases. If my, if I need an eye doctor and the eye doctor used to do porn, I don't care. Did you go to a good medical school? <laughs> Any malpractice lawsuits? No, I'm good. You know, or if they say, listen, we got the, we got Dr. A that never did porn, but he went to so-and-so community college for his eye, you know, for his optometry school. And this other guy did gay porn and he's a hunter and he went to Harvard medical school. I'm like, give me the gay hunter. <laughs> I'll get the gay hunter all day long because <laughs> he went to Harvard. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, I, I think people just need to accept who they are. Don't, don't question, you know, you can't make everybody happy. So whoever doesn't like you, you know, screw them and be friends, you know, make good social circles and networks and uh, everything else will take care of itself. And I'm also curious about what you're currently um, up to. Of course, the, uh, the book, which um, I highly, you know, recommend any anybody who you know is curious on on more of the, I would say the the psychological side of of sexuality, obscene thoughts. Like, are you writing another book, or let uh, the audience know what you're up to? Again. The book is so much work. Oh my God. It's like anything else. You, yeah. you and Block and that project, I mean, like double the cost, double the time. Like, I mean, it's, um, <laughs> books don't market themselves. You know, no, I mean, we have the book, you know, Obscene Thoughts, ObsceneThoughts.com. We have the documentary, Risky Business, uh, Risky Business, the movie.com. And those all did well. And, um, you know, uh, now I'm pretty much semi-retired. I mean, I do a lot of volunteer uh, political and legal work with groups like ACLU, with the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, Planned Parenthood. I kind of doing more of a philanthropy thing. I'm kind of, you know, I don't really need to work, but I want to stay busy. So I have a little education consulting business. I have a little uh, real estate business. Um, I have other, you know, I'm always open to doing new things. But it's kind of a thing where, you know, I've already made my money. I, you know, I own real estate. You know, I've been in love. I've done all these things that people want to do, and now I'm just kind of enjoying life you know it's uh you know i live in florida i'm near the water so i go to the beach every day you know go kayaking paddleboarding go to the pool <laughs> you know i'm doing these radio shows it's fun you know talking to people like you and others that have these little shows and uh you know speaking on panels about sexuality legal issues um whatever i can do you know it's uh there's nothing really to do. I mean, I'm thinking about maybe finishing my PhD. I never finished it, but, you know, going back to school and finishing my PhD in uh, evolutionary psychology, um, you know, studying human mating and pornography and things like that. I think that's the next step, but that's probably about two years away before I do that. And again, there's no reason to do it, right? Like any normal person, say, why would you do that? You know, at that time I'll be like 41. <laughs> it won't make any sense, but I don't care. Like, I'm not doing it to get a job. I'm doing it because I think it'll help develop me. And then, you know, I could morph into the next thing. So another piece of advice is to not have a linear 
unless you're really risk averse, you know, not, not to have a linear career path. Like like my brother, you know, he went he went to the University of Michigan, got his degree in French, then he worked at a foreign auto parts company, then he got his MBA, and then he worked for Chrysler, and now he's been in the same place his whole life, same type of job. He's a happy guy. I mean, it's, I mean, he's not unhappy at all. But it's just that linear life is so boring to me. Like I've been all over the map. Yeah, I've been all over the world. I've done different things. I've, you know, I've I've had a much more colorful life. And but it's all up to the person. You know, I, I I'm sure he would be going nuts if he had my life in, in a bad way because he likes stability. And I would go nuts if I had his life because it's just too boring. You know, so know know thyself. That is no, honestly, that is the best advice, and and those are definitely words to live by dave thank you so much for for coming on uh i definitely will have you back um because the it just the i just like listening to you talk because you make sense on so many things and even though people you know can agree to disagree and we all have different values and and how we experience <laughs> life you always have this way of bringing things to common sense and and to me that's something that true educators do i mean it's one thing people say oh yeah i have all these degrees and it's like okay that's great but can you bring that uh experience and and bring that in a way that you can relate to different audiences and and i truly believe that is the talent um that you possess well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your talent of distributing my talent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, the internet podcast world. <laughs> yeah, this this podcast world is not radio is not as easy as people think because people the same thing you said earlier. You know, people make the assumptions like, "Oh, you're just behind this microphone." Oh, it's like, no, I I work and and I'm in grad school myself. So, you know, and I've noticed the more that I'm in school. That's the more like I like said you meet strange people and I'm like wait these people are really creepy as I continue yeah. my education yeah. here. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. But I will have you back on definitely. I'm gonna finish reading your book because I have so many more questions and watching the documentary as well. So I really appreciate you coming on. All right, thanks again for having me. Have a good one. Yeah, absolutely. You have a great weekend. All right, you too. All right, bye bye. All right, that was Dave Pounder, better than a quarter pounder, if I do say so myself. No, <laughs> total, total, total JK. Please make sure to get his book, which is called Obscene Thoughts, A Pornographer's Perspective on Sex, Love, and Dating. Thanks so much once again to the guests um, that have been in the chat room. I mean, I really appreciate it. Guest 989, I really appreciate you staying for the long Hall. And I want to apologize not only to Dave, but to everybody for the horrible technical difficulties. So let's do this 10 minute back to back flavor, of course, with the girls featuring from Sisterhood of Hip Hop here at the Kirby Head Show. One thing that we really value is the importance of women who rock. And these women definitely rock. Let's kick it off with my girl representing the Latinas in the building. Here is Bia with All Me Nice. Uh, ain't have a 
everything, put that on everything. You thought I was lame, thanks a lot. Popping bottles, champagne, hell to pay. It's for them niggas in the front, that's turn up, man. Heard it get lonely there, get fucked up with my homies head. Let go. Good serve, that's on me. Big Kush, that's on me. Big faces, that's on me. I don't mean for real. Bitches, that's on me. on me. Four fifth, that's on me. Cause them hating niggas uh, be on turn me. It. On me for real. Walked up in this bitch, feeling like a man. Cause I want it. Flexed up, brought all my niggas, me, all my people. Pocket full of dead white people. I love money, so I like people. Shake hands with the right people, not the serpent type that'll bite people. But, anyways, I'm making moves and niggas bluffing. They ain't thugging, they ain't hustling. I'm getting fleet. Sacks fifth, copy crushing. Gucci Louis, Fair Gamo, handcuffs. Go grill, my sluggers, sign a logo, blow my budget. Fuck nigga, fuck the fuck shit. Where the money, where the weed, where the drink? Pull off the QP, fuck the ace. Zips to the face, new jobs And I keep them on lace, shit get deep Hard on my T, I ain't talking no comment See the money, now these niggas hating on me I ain't worried cause be a be a shoot Real niggas, real bitches looking up Y'all niggas can't fuck with the movement uh, Ain't have a thing, put that on everything You thought I was lame, thanks a lot Poppin' bottles, champagne, heal the pain I forgot, fuck the top, heard it get lonely there Get fucked up with my homies here, you know Good serve, that's, that's on me. me. Big Kush, that's on me. Big faces, that's on me. On me for Bad bitches, that's on me. Four fifth, that's on me. Cause them hating niggas be on me. On me. Pretty, pretty, pretty bitches, my reputation. I'm getting rich. I had a revelation. Ain't been around no real niggas. But she been around my fucking head. She's like, ah. Oh, I'm getting it, rolling it, smoking dope, probably selling it too. I'm selling it too. Nice and we skipped up a level the better of you You smoking that dang ew So I'm higher than you Just happy my shoe Bitch I do this cause I'm flyer than you She flyer than you They fucked up when they cut me my fucking check my fucking check I've been that bitch so don't tolerate no disrespect And I don't beat friend hoes Who don't get they own damn bread Who don't throw down no damn sand Who still had the intent of getting bent As soon as I started when I feel like I forgot how to lose And I'm still the
record, press rewind, play that shit back one more time. Big money, dollars long, and I love my bitches fine. Fine as fuck, if I ever let you fuck, I'ma change your life though. Go ahead and eat it up, but you like you hungry though. Chloe got that great, great. All you bitches fake, that's probably why you hate, 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 hate. Every chick I am killing, hell yeah, I'm number one And I don't 
fuck get these niggas by the crumbs And I'm only getting colder Somebody should've told you I'm on one Yeah, fuck, fuck it, I'm on one Yeah, I said I'm on one Grab a sushi and roll one Scream, scream, Man, make love to my attitude Been shopping for hours, can't give it a rip Just left up out of sex, Versace is next yeah. These other hoes is birds, I see them everywhere yeah. They got that ching chong weed, vomit Indian hair I'm bathed in the well, yeah My house on the hill, they tried to crucify me You know how it feel, the ones who deaf you down Be the first ones to hate, they wanna hot 16 Don't wanna pay the rates, still riding with the same bitches to the Never been a dumb bitch, watch these hoes carefully Have you ever seen the pussy of a million dollar queen? Let a rap nigga hit it in the R&B scene uh, Baby, I can take you there Don't wanna leave the pussy, so he UPS it everywhere Yeah, so now you know that I'm on way Got access to his bank account, so I'm finna do a home run I care about his money in my red bottom pumps Every chick I am killing, hell yeah, I'm number one and Give a fuck, get these niggas by the crumbs And I'm only getting colder Somebody should've told you I'm on one Yeah, fuck, fuck it, I'm on one Yeah, I said I'm on one Grab a sushi and roll one Mad makeup and my attitude stained Don't really give a fuck what the hell y'all think Everybody know I'm gonna blow with shit When I break it down, I'ma roll that shit Cause I'm on one I say fuck it, I'm on
la 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 Laughing at you like ha 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 When they talking about blah say blah 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 They roll up but they not as hot as I Salute, you in a real bitch presence Nigga don't come through without no presence Better bell down when you see them legends Let a bitch speak when you see her step in My bitches is about that life Want the money when I rock that ice Rather make a dollar than a chase that pipe Real bitches say yeah, if you know I'm fucking right I'm about that money, throw it in the air If you really got it, you won't even care The genius without a penis Turns out she was the meanest Nah, 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 never seen it Rockstar rip jeans shit Supreme shit, supremacy Queen bitch, no symmetry On the one, no copies, no sloppies Fly like a butterfly, Ali Come on, Tim, let's lock and load Pop that pill and roll If you really bout that rock and roll Give a fuck about you niggas 
my own models, a hundred bottles, I'm stunning on you niggas. We taking your girls, me and my niggas. Go figure, go figure. Got him. A nigga like me, she really want a nigga like me. A nigga like me, she only want a nigga like me. A nigga like me, only want a nigga like me. What? A nigga like me. If you got a high nine teachers, you motherfucker show gon' learn about me. Never low, yeah, I'm always high key. Yo, nine last time a nigga uses ID. Always real niggas in my background. 50 deep in the club, no pat down. Lacing up shoes cause we run it. And my hoes ain't running for nothing. Cause I am the man. I am the man. I am the man. Your homie, he ran. You think it's a bed the way I will lie on the stand. For all of my fam, I done done it already. I see you love me already. She feel it all in the belly. It's money, funny, it's carry milk from the dairy. Your boy get head bigger than Barry. Come on, my money, me, my problems. Give a fuck about you niggas. My own models, a hundred bottles. I'm stunning on you niggas. We taking your girls, me and my niggas. Go figure. Go figure. Got him. A nigga like me. She really want a nigga like me. A nigga like me. She only want a nigga like me. And that, my friends, was a mega mix of the ladies from Sisterhood of Hip Hop. Of course, we started off with Brianna Perry. We had Diamond. We had Bia. We had Saya. And of course, my girl, Chloe Riley in there as well, which, oh my gosh, Chloe, she, see the thing is she has some bars, but on the show, she was really hypocritical to me. So let's get down into the alternative beatdown. Also want to thank once again, guest 989 for sticking in and hopefully you say something. See, that's the thing that's so funny. People will listen to the show, but then they don't want to like talk in the chat box, but then they'll criticize me. Like another example of this too is uh, I, I've been considering doing a Twitch channel and I, I have it up. You can go to twitch.tv. It's like twitch.tv slash sintv now. Hopefully I'm right. Uh, but I would go on there and then people, you know, would not watch or they would watch and then leave or something. I just feel when it comes to online media, you've got to give the personality a chance. You cannot just make a critique out of seeing them for five seconds. I'm sorry, but not everybody can look like Nicki Minaj and not everybody can look like Lady Gaga and not everybody can look a certain way. We have beauty is very unique. Okay. It's very neat. Let's get into this alternative beatdown special edition of Women Who Rock. And we're talking all about today, Sisterhood of Hip Hop, seasons one and season two, and my reflections. I will have to say that the first season of this show really blew me away because Oxygen to me for some time, and shout outs to Oxygen, they were really nice enough to tweet at me about season two of Sisterhood of Hip Hop. At first, I was kind of concerned about this show. I thought it was going to be a show that was going to be ratchet, like Bad Girls Club and all of that. 
But I'm really glad that this show turned out to be a higher class show than what I was expecting it to be. Because for some reason, when we have all these women of color working together, you have a 50% chance of the show being great. And then you have another 50% of the show being super ratchet. And that's not what I care for. Is it, you know, everybody likes a little ratchetness, whether or not they want to admit it or not. But I think it's also important to watch programming that actually has meaning. And that is what sisterhood of hip hop means to me. We got guests 989-6621 in what's going on. But I, I just love that this show has that purpose. It's a show that talks about that actual hustle and the struggle that female MCs go through. And it's true. Female MCs are really going through a lot in this industry. There's the pressure. Like, guys can be sweaty, you know, and have armpits. Don't get me wrong. There's certain genres like pop music where you can't look like that necessarily. But they still have some leeway. When you are a femme it's more of you have to look a certain way. You've got to have the titties. you got to have, you know, the, the voluptuous big butt. You know, like bubble butt is the thing right now. I mean, first it was K. Michelle. Then you had Nicki Minaj. And way back when you had girls like Little Kim. You had girls like Yo-Yo, you know. And, and it, like to me... That's why I like Sisterhood of Hip Hop, because you're getting a little bit of everything. So I'm going to break down the girls and then go into season one and then transition, of course, into season two. So for season one, these, these are the girls pretty much throughout both seasons. First, you have Brianna Perry. Brianna Perry representing Miami, bringing that nice flavor sunshine to the cast. Uh, the thing I like about Brianna Perry, and I've mentioned this too in my video that, that I'm posting for the, for the Curvy Melhead show, of course, YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash user slash Quita, is the fact that she decided to go to college. She wanted to make sure she had a backup plan just in case her hip-hop career did not work. And of course, Brianna Perry is the former Missy Elliott protege who has been active in the music community since she was five years old. She was formerly signed to Elliott's label Mine Inc. alongside Trina's Diva Enterprises. So she ended up really becoming popular in 2012 for her song Marilyn Monroe, which was actually featured on Beyonce's website, which I was really surprised that Beyonce would even give somebody else some shine. Because that's one thing that I've kind of noticed is that when it comes to some people, it's like we constantly don't want to help each other out. You know, we want to get money. We all want to be successful. But then it's like we don't necessarily want to be a part of something that is a collective. It's like especially I've noticed experience with some male MCs. It's like, you know, there can only be one, you know. And the thing that also makes me laugh is that some, not all, you know, they have this attitude like the media owes them something. I'm here to tell all these girls out here and everybody, you know, in general, please. First off, you nobody do anything. The reason why you're getting press is because you have star quality. And then on top of that, you may be associating with people who have star quality. And thus, that's helping you to look good as well. Do some people have their own star power? I agree, absolutely. But I hate dealing 
with some of these girls because that's the attitude. And it's like, look, when you come on my show, the media doesn't have to pay attention to you. If you don't have any relevancy, guess what? Nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to view you. But the reason why these girls are so popular now is due to the fact that they always are poor. And Brianna Perry rep she's going to school because let's be honest here hip hop is not like how it used to be the metal industry the rock industry the music entertainment industry overall is not like how it used to be okay you actually have to have an independent grind you know Nicki Minaj she performs in a lot of places besides the bigger venues she also performs in some of the you know mid-sized venues she performs anywhere where she's needed and that is the reason why she's successful whether you like her music or not that's what Brianna Perry is doing she decided to go to school and have that backup plan so she knows what she's doing and I love her I mean we played the song of course Red Cup and and I she's got bars I just like the fact that she's really classy she's beautiful she should be doing skincare commercials I swear she should be doing the skincare commercials and next saya saya is my girl one thing that i get a lot of crap about too on yt in general being an online personality myself is the fact that i have this very masculine type voice people may call it masculine but this is how i've always talked and this is how i've always you know sounded like and another thing just I was talking about and that's what saya is doing is the fact that you don't have to prove anything to anybody who doesn't care about what you do. The only time you really have to prove something to somebody is like your mentor. So of course with Saya, she's an openly gay rapper. I give her props for that because that's not easy to do in the first place. But to me, I don't focus on that. You know, everyone says, oh, she's a tomboy. She's very masculine. That Saya is Saya, okay? All right, just like how I am who I am. And throughout the season, we saw that Saya, she really suffered, especially with her family dynamic. And I was glad she reunited with her mom and got everything, she, you know. And, and I'm really glad she stuck with Tank, even though Tank was kind of being flaky to her, you know, especially in season two. We saw that she didn't even, Tank didn't even go to her, her show. And that's really reflecting upon, okay, you're my mentor, but why are you not showing up? But I'm glad she did stick with him opportunities really um opened up for her and sometimes even myself i get impatient you know it's like i want to be from zero to 100 and i have to realize that this is a business and you want to do things right especially when you are you know trying to get into the online media you really have to know not only talking about you can't talk out of your ass in this business you know and the people who do end up not really being successful now don't get me wrong there are some people who do talk of their ass and they're very popular uh but i think at the same time saya doesn't do that saya is very calculated with her and i really her both of her mix if you have not had a chance go to live mixtapes download those mixtapes they are fantastic and i cannot wait till her ep does come out because she is very she's a very talented girl next let's talk about diamond okay we are diamond from you know being a part of crime mob and i think that's always been a crutch for diamond and i'm not saying a crush a crutch for diamond in regards on her behalf i think it's begun it's it it's pretty much in regards to a media perspective because everyone just associates diamond with crime mob 
understand that Diamond is really trying her own artist. Now, here's my only problem with Diamond, and I love all these girls, but as a commentator, I have to be real. That's how I've always been, is, is partially with her attitude. I think through, especially during season one, you know, she was kind of like, I'm Diamond, props, where props is due. And okay, you know what? You're one of the older girls there. We get it. Okay. Um, but you get props by just continuing doing what you're doing. MC Light was not like, oh, where's my props? Queen Latifah is not like, where's my props? People gave Queen Latifah MC Light props because they existed and did what they did. Because once you get to a, cer a certain level of success, that is how you get props. I don't understand when some people of color are going to understand this in the entertainment industry. I'm not saying all, but some is props by doing what you do the best at what you do. I don't ask anybody for props. I remember earlier in my career starting this show that, yeah, you know, way, way back when, when I started, even before the Kirby Melhead show, yeah, I will say, yeah, I was a little arrogant and cocky. And that happens because, you know, you people are prideful about their business and what they do. But at the same time, through the, you know, throughout this is like the first, coming up the first official year that I've had of the Curvy Metalhead show, one thing I've kind of realized is that I, I have become so because you know what? The people who come show, like Dave Pounder, the people, you know, like Wes Cage that I had an awesome interview with, these people come on my show because they care about what I do. And on top of that, they see how humble I am. I don't put on an act. I don't put on a show. I'm not here to say better than anybody else because you know what plenty of other black women out there who do that what successful people do regardless of race is they continue doing what they're doing and they're good at what they do and i have been blessed to have all these people on my program why because i've always been to different topics different opinions we have to go there we go there and and that's what you have to do that's what intellectual people do and and I, I just, oh my gosh, it just drives me crazy with Diamond that she was like that during the first season. And then she said, you know, in the past that she was not, she was going to do a reality show. It had to be, and, and I'm kind of glad she did pick this show. Um, but I think another thing she needs to do is to really separate herself from Soldier Boy. I don't see what she sees in Soldier Boy. You know, his beats are all right. I understand, you know, but I really hope she doesn't get back with Soldier Boy because she's got a really good that's really holding her down that a lot in season two um, with with their relationship. I mean, you tell me how many black men out there and there are few and far between that would actually hold a girl down like that for a long term relationship to actually commit it like that, you know, because it's something that is very, very prevalent and it's something, and, and you no, know, that's the only thing where me and David Pounder kind of have a matter of differences is I feel like when it comes to relationships, as long as you have a common ground and you trust each other, that's important. I don't in being non-monogamous. I've always been a monogamous type of person. Um, but I respect if a man comes in my life and he values me as a whole package, not because of my sex appeal or whatever else if he really says you know i really like quita and all the elements that she is i like that she 
Quita, aka Belasian Quita. I like that she does all of this amazing stuff. That's the type of man I'm going to hold down. I'm not going to hold down these guys out here. Some of them, you know, they don't want to work. They don't want to be educated. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, the multicultural community doesn't want to hear it, but there is truth in that. So I'm really glad that holding her man down like she's always had. She's always been a committed person. I just really want her to kind of become more humble. And that's what I saw in season two, I understand she's got some trust issues because this is a business where people can be messy sometimes. I want the worst for you instead of the So I understand why she's that way. I just really hope that she can continue that progress of becoming better for herself because she deserves that for her career. I think people will start to separate her from crime mob once she really starts being like, I'm Diamond, I don't care about this. We can talk about that. And just be open with it and move on from it. But that's just me. So let's move on to my girl, Bia. Of course, Bia is the protege, I would say, of Pharrell. Pharrell is one of my favorite artists as well. Whether people are, you know, care for Girl or not, Girl was a pretty decent album. Um, there are certain parts of Girl that I was not, you know, a huge fan of. But this is why I like Bia. Um, the reason why I like Bia is she's always put her family first. And that's something that I rarely see industries wise sometimes is like people are like, I got to make this money. I get this money, 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 money. But core of things, just like with Brianna Perry, uh, shout outs to Kiki, her, her manager and her mother. But first and foremost, mother, she has a lot of balls. You know, it's kind of like Brandy and her mom. It's kind of like me and the relationship I have with my mom, because my mom, she's been through some. That is how I became the woman that I am today. I get so sick of some of these kids out here, you know, and they want to disrespect their parents. Oh, your parent, oh, they don't know crap, whatever. You know, the funny thing is before you came out, your parents had to make a decision on having you. And sometimes, yeah, you know, it happens like a mistake. This is life. But other times, you know, when a parent is actually caring about their their child, you know, there's nothing wrong sometimes with being a little overprotective, especially industry wise. You know, Brianna Perry could end up like could could have ended up like some of these thoughts out here, you know, and I'm being real today because it needs, you know, she could have ended up like girls that hoe around and do stupid stuff like that. And we all make mistakes, but there's a difference between being a woman and standing up for your convictions versus being a thought and then you know, thinking that's cool and you want to be a video vixen hoe. Anybody can be a hoe, but there are very few out there that can really be a woman. That's the thing I like about Bia is Bia is a woman. She takes responsibility for her sister. She flew halfway across the, you know, the state just to make sure that her sister was okay with her education. Now, more women of color were doing that instead of some of us thoughts and, and being ratchet is having a nasty attitude. Can you imagine how stronger the multicultural community would be and that we start to work with other races as well? Okay, I'm sick of hip hop just being, yeah, the roots are in Africa. The roots is definitely, you know, but that front. But hip hop, if you really at hip hop, it's invested in so many different cultures and so many different experiences. That is hip hop. Hip hop is not just a black thing. I get sick of that, you know, and I like the fact Bia, you know, she's Latina. She's representing and and she's really doing a great job and she loves. 
So Bia, thank you so much for that. And it's crazy. You know, your 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 mentor in a way is well, mentor period is Pharrell. Do you know how hard it must be to impress someone like Pharrell's stature? This guy has platinum records on top of platinum records, not only as an artist, but as a song. He's just a tr just a multi threat, you know. He has a, a YouTube channel called I Am Other, as well as the record label I Am Other and Star Trek, of course, you know. I mean, he helped artists like Robin Thicke. I mean, if you listen to Robin Thicke's earlier stuff, you can definitely see Pharrell's influence. So he is very responsible for a lot of these sounds out here um, that we continue to hear today and it's hard i mean can you imagine and that's something that i think bia really kind of struggled with throughout the season was that kind of dialectical tension let's move on to another girl just like diamond that was really concerned about naima supreme you know man she's been for a long time as well she started off as like a backup dancer with artists such as Chris Brown and Little Mama. And then after she spent a, you know, a, well, after she finished high school, then she started working as a intern for Jew, for Juez Santana. She started kind of seeing how artists, you know, their beats, how they put their rhymes together. And she decided to do her own thing. So one day she had this chance of a lifetime, such a blessing for her. She ended up meeting up with Timbaland's super producer, Shock Values, <laughs> one, two, all of that. There are still some of my favorite albums to date. Um, I still enjoyed Timbaland's days too, but I will never wear those outfits that they wore. Never, ever, ever. Uh, but what ended up happening is Naima, she has two mixtapes that are under her belt. And she has an EP as well. And she has over a half a million uh, YouTube views. She is a dancer. She is a multi. That's the other thing. You want to survive in the hip-hop game, in the entertainment industry, guess what? Reality check, you know, for you aspiring people out there. You got to be good at a lot of things. You can't just focus, just like what Dave said, and I agree with him. You can't just be linear. You've, you've got to be multifaceted in a lot of things. And the other thing that kind of concerned me about Naima was her emotional status. Because in the first part of the season, my gosh, she was really a hot mess. She didn't want to deal with these girls. She's, I am Naima, you know. But I was glad that in season two, she really opened up. And towards the end of the one, two, you saw that she went kind of through this revival, this kind of, of therapy. And I think it was duly needed. On a side note, though, I really felt bad because her mom was kind of like, she didn't care, you know, in a way. It was kind of like, oh, well, get over it. And it's kind of like, no, if you see, that's the thing to some of the parents out there, if you're listening, please make sure that you don't brush your children because when they're going through a lot of things, I noticed this, especially in certain aspects of the African-American community, um, we still have problems with mental health and depression and suicide and a lot of things. And these are things that are serious. And I think parents need to stop brushing their kids off parents that I'm talking about are not the ones that are taking care of their kids. You no know, people of color who are holding responsibility and making sure their children come out right. Okay. But on the other side of it, you know, Naima is really hoping, you know, for that support from her mom. And I'm glad that she got it later on uh, when she decided to, you know, make that move. Hey, and just like her friend, I believe her friend, Michelle, I love that girl. You know, she said that you, at the end of the day, it's good to listen to your parents, but you have to live your life and making that decision. And that's the same thing that I do. I put account my parents, um, you know, advice. And today is actually my parents' anniversary. 
So happy anniversary to my parents. They've been together for so long. And the reason why is because they respect each other's opinions, just like how, you know, they give me advice on things. But at the end of the day, I still have to make my own decisions in regards to that. So Naima, she's out in L.A. now. She's making better music because I'm noticed like I noticed some of her earlier stuff, you know, it was kind of like for the, you know, I'm the hard girl from Jamaica, you know, representing, you know, that kind of thing. But I'm glad that now she's kind of showing a more humanistic quality of herself. And I love her. I love her makeup. That girl's body is on point. I am very jealous of her. Naima, I do love what you do and don't give up going because you're you're doing the right thing. So what ended up happening for me is I took a quiz that's on oxygen.com slash sisterhood of hip hop season slash game slash which sisterhood femcy are you? And you know it's funny I ended up getting Brianna Perry and I understand why. Because Brianna Perry is the kind of girl, the woman that she is now. I can't say she's a girl. She's grown now. <laughs> but she looks super young. I thought she was like 18, you know, um, or more like 15 to me. But no, she's a grown woman. <laughs> I'm kidding, Brianna. If you're listening to sorry, I'm kidding. But she wants it all. I mean, she's always doing something, got little projects on independent grind. And, and here's the thing, too. And, and that's the thing with season one, you saw these girls really grow, you know, especially with Brianna. I can relate to that because I'm always, you know, grinding, always working. I barely sleep, work part time. People think this business is so easy. Everybody's like, oh, you just sit behind a microphone and talk crap. No. I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes. People send me inquiries. I'm booking interviews by myself. I don't have a team like other people do. You know, I am a one woman machine. A lot of are like in the first season, we saw that, but like that grind is not easy. And in the second season, you start to see what I, I like to call season two of sisterhood of hip hop as the fruits of the labor. You start to, to see these girls blossoming and growing into success it's easy but you see that success is there i highly recommend this show you know i'm i'm not surprised that i got brianna perry because that's how i am i'm always someone who's always grinding always moving always trying to be the best that i can be and i have stopped caring about people's opinion i have stopped caring about my own people or other people I have to do what I feel is right not only for myself but doing what is right for social equality doing what is right for social justice and doing what is right for education because I'm so sick and tired of these regardless of religious religious affiliations orientation you know these young people out here are suffering just like how the adults are you know but but I always understand what young people are going through because I was that fat girl that came from Wisconsin. You know, I'm a Wisconsin girl, you know, born and bred. But I was always told that I wasn't worth anything. And look at what I'm doing now. And this is not me trying to have a Kanye West moment. But I really it really resonated. This show, Sisterhood of Hip Hop, has broken boundaries, not only for women of color, overall, for for women who want to be nurse, who want to have business done, who fight for what they believe in. So to Diamond, to Saya, to Brianna Perry, to, to Bia, to Naima Supreme, do not keep in touch. Do not lose touch. Exactly. Do not lose touch with each other because FEMCs need to work to 
overall women of color need to work together it's not being shown on tv the crap that's being shown on tv is these girls fighting being ratchet we're not doing the right thing so i could go on all day about that but i have one more story for you and this is coming from the broad broadwordpalmbeach.com this is the word palm beach new times so it says marilyn manson failed to shock while the smashing pumpkins kept things simple so what ended up happening was the um the article um by david roland he's great um he was kind of how like marilyn manson's show really didn't and you know it's the same stuff he's always been doing and the shock value is not there okay like when he came out especially you know marilyn manson came out with you know marilyn and the spooky kids and that was during the 90s when that type of stuff was really alice cooper was doing stuff for shock value but marilyn he took it up to like a whole new level during that time. So what ended up happening during the show was he was kind of doing the anti-religious stuff he always does. And it, it's like, come on, Marilyn, do something new. You know, you know what would be shocked? You coming out with music with people that you never would ever produce with, you know, and, and doing stuff like that, like being anti-religious. I know that's your imagery or whatever it may be. It, it's already been done. There are so many artists that do that. And I think that now, I've, and in the article, interesting um, that he mentioned that Marilyn may be, it, it's like a crutch, it seems, you know, and this is just my interpretation. That's not exactly what he said. Um, but the Smashing Pumpkins, see, it just goes to show, like, you don't have to be freaky deaky all the time to, to really have value. And as much, Billy Corgan can be stuck up and arrogant. He is clean, crisp musician. He keeps things simple. And that is the reason why Smashing Pumpkins, since 1993, they have had hit after hit after hit. And that's because they make solid, good, organic music. And if you look at the playlist, like, you know, Marilyn's kind of focusing on more of his, like, really popular hits from, like, way, way back. But... With Smashing Pumpkins, although they did have stuff that was from way, way back, they still had some things that were a little bit more modern, which is cool. So I, I just think if you are, especially from the rock and metal perspective, you gotta you gotta keep things, you gotta mix stuff up. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be current all the time because being current is boring, okay? If I was current, I would quit this show, okay? Because there's enough radio hosts out there who are plain Janes. They're all trying to be like Williams. They're all trying to be like Glenn Beck. They're trying to be like Bill O'Reilly. Just be yourself. Time is running out, of course, with the Kirby Melhead show. I could talk all day, but let's wrap this thing up. And I got a good rocking tune for you because today was hip hop day. You know, I just felt, you know, that women of, of hip hop have been food, and I'm going to continue in the records because they deserve it. So let's do this food for thought. Now, David Pounder, whether you love him or you hate him or you don't care what, you know, care for the adult industry or whatnot, he brought up a very interesting point during the interview towards the end where he meant that you should always do something that you love. And that really resonated with me because personally myself, I spent a good chunk of my life not doing what I, you know, I love. I did things because I was trying to prove a point. I did things because... I was trying to, you know, be something that I'm not. And 
at the end of the day, and I'm here to this, and this is coming from, you know, as long as I've been on this planet so far, and thank God I'm still here. Um, many blessings for that is due to the, you know, and to, to really kind of to resonate that is the reason why, you know, I do it is because I have the question. I love talking to people who have, in, who lead, you know, or have lived interesting lives. I love sharing, you know, social equality issues. And you know why? Because half of my educational life that I've had so far has been but oppression. And that's the reason why I went into grad school. And I'm really blessed, you know, for the institution that I go to is because they understand what I do and they understand that passion. And let me tell you, whether you're going to education, whether you want to be a break dancer, stripper, whatever you want to do, always that fire. But you always want people just like what Dave said. You always want people to support that support what you do. Because life sucks when you're with people who constantly bring you down and constantly they don't believe in what you do. Always remember that. Do what you enjoy doing. Do what gives you fire, what gives you passion, and, and never care what people think. The only time, really, exception, I'll backtrack, that you should care about what people think is if you're in something like an internship where you have mentors and you have people that you do have to uphold certain standards it doesn't mean that you have to be like them. You take those standards and you apply it and you make something new and fresh and you do it. So of course, please, if you have the chance, you can follow me on Twitter at Curvy Metal. I also have my YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash user slash Belasian. So think of BLA with Asian and Quita, Q-U-I-T-A. Uh, also, I have an Instagram, which is at Curvy Metalhead, and I will be getting things. I will start going to shows and stuff, but it's just been really tough financially. I actually had to put a huge bunch of money into finishing my Lady Gaming Cave here for my Twitter channel, which is at Cindy now, and I will be doing some gaming for that and a new video coming up. So always remember to stay classy and don't be trashy. And I would like to thank guests 989-6621 getting around so long. And all the guests that have been on, David Pounder, I freaking love you. Thank you for coming on. And I want to leave you with an awesome tune that I just found. And this is a great song. This is Rock Alliance with Bad News Travels Fast.